Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. The Rambam in Moira Nebuchim, the Guide to the Perplexed, in the first section, Perak Base, tells a story that he was once asked a question by a certain person. The question was that it says in the Torah, it says in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Bracious, that Adam and Chava were commanded not to eat from a certain tree in the Garden of Eden. They were commanded not to eat from the Eitz Hadas not to eat from the tree that provides knowledge of toiv and ra, good and evil, through whatever chain of events they transgressed and they ate from this fruit. And it says at the end of the whole story that Hashem saw that they now knew the difference between toiv and ra. So this person asked the Rambam a question. He said, it seems that they were rewarded. Before they ate from the fruit, they did not know Tovara. And now that they ate it, they, they gained knowledge. They gained that valuable knowledge to know what is Tov and what is Ra. Since this is a shear on Rashi rather than on Rambam, I'm not going to talk much about the Rambam's answer. I have another excuse for not talking too much about the Rambam's answer because I don't quite fully comprehend it. But I will, would like to talk about what I think perhaps was Rashi's approach to this question. Let's begin with the following Pasuk. Perik Beis, Pasuk Chafei. Vayiyu shnehem arumim, adam v'ishto. And the two of them, the man and his wife, meaning Adam and Chava, were unclothed. Volo yisbeishashu. And they did not have any shame. Rashi says, Volo yisbeishashu. They did not know the way of modesty, to distinguish between tov and ra. They did not understand it, that there was anything wrong with walking about with no clothes on. Now, Rashi here asks a question. Even though dea, even though knowledge and intelligence and intellect had been given to Adam Arishan to call names. He had been charged by Hashem with the task of giving a name to all of the animals in the world. And he successfully gave an appropriate name to each animal. We'll talk more about that, but Rashi says, even though he had the intellect to give appropriate names to all of the animals, but, so Rashi's question is, so what do you mean that he and his wife, Chava, um, didn't have the knowledge, they didn't know the difference between Tov and Ra, but, but wait, wait a minute, but Adam Arishan was a tremendous intellect. He was able to give a, a fitting name for every animal on the earth. So Rashi answers, but still, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, the desire to do evil, 
was not placed into him, ad until he ate from that particular tree that he was not supposed to eat from. Then it entered into him, the Yetzirah, and then he knew the difference between Tov and Ra. Now, I'd like to start, as I very often do, with a technical question. Rashi here, in these words that I'm now going to highlight, asks an explicit question. As we know, Rashi generally does not ask explicit questions. Rashi normally has a certain question in mind, but he simply tells us how to understand the Pasuk so that the question is resolved. When Rashi asks an explicit question as here, where he says, even though he had the knowledge to call the animals different names. So he's raising an explicit question. How can you say he did not know the difference between Tevara? That seems to be pointing at a, a lack in his intellect, but he had great intellect. So here Rashi asks an explicit question. So we have to understand why he breaks his general practice and here raises the question explicitly. Let's put that question up on a shelf. And let's learn a little bit more about this Pusik. We're going to see that there are some other approaches to this Pusik. Let's begin with the Radak. Rabbi David Kimchi is one of the great commentators known mostly for his comments on Nevi'im Uksuvim, but he also wrote a commentary on Chumash. I don't think we have more than uh, Sefer Bracious, but certainly a very valuable commentary on Sefer Bracious. Radak says, they were not ashamed. The Pasuk is coming to inform us. That before Odom and Chava ate from this forbidden fruit, they had no shame if their genital organs were revealed. They felt no shame. Says the Radak, they had not yet engaged in, in uh, conjugal relations. Because, says the, the Radak, they did not yet have the, the sexual desire that every human being since then has had. And the Evreha Erva, the uh, reproductive organs for them were like Sharevorim. They were like just any other limb, any other organ, a hand, a foot. One is not embarrassed to use one's hand or foot. One is not embarrassed to smell with one's nose and hear with one's ears and see one with one's eyes and run and grab. And so they were not embarrassed of their, of their reproductive organs. So he says, So therefore they were not embarrassed of the reproductive organs. Now, if we look carefully at the Radak, we will see that Rashi is not saying the same thing in, in two points. First of all, Rashi indicates that they did not know the difference between Tov and Ra. 
sounds like from Rashi that even if they would engage in, in conjugal relations, they wouldn't see anything embarrassing about it. They would do it openly. As a matter of fact, Rashi in another place says that they did it openly and that's how the Nachash saw them and he got jealous and the rest of the story. That's what Rashi sounds like. They simply did not have this, I'll call it intellectual capacity to understand that there is anything that, that is somewhat shameful, anything that, that at least should be done privately. The, Rasha, the Radak, however, doesn't seem to uh, talk about their intellectual capability. He says the reason that they were not embarrassed is because they had never experienced the use of these organs. Mashma, it sounds like from the Radak, that if they would have, then they would have known. They would have realized that there's something about this. That perhaps it's it's too uh, too much gashmias. It's 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 too uh, coarse and physical uh, to be done without any any amount of shame, or some other understanding of why there should be a certain amount of busha. But the Radak says, for the Radak, it sounds like they they could have known that but they had not, not experienced it. They had not yet uh, engaged in such relations and therefore they had no idea. Therefore they, they, they didn't know because they hadn't experimented to find out. That's one difference between Rashi and Radak. It sounds like from Rashi and, it, and, and in fact, from other Rashis we see that even when they did engage in relations, they felt no shame. The Radak says it's only because they had not yet done so that's why they didn't know that there's anything bushadik about it, that there's anything shameful about it, that there's anything, I don't know if shame is exactly the right word, but is there anything about it that, that needs to be done privately rather than openly? So the Radak says it's only because they had never done so, they didn't understand this, uh, they were not aware of this aspect. Now, the other point in which Rashi clearly disagrees with Radak is 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 on the in the in the narrative, it's in the history itself. Radak says that at the time of the Chet of Adam Harishon, at the time of this sin, uh, building up to this sin, Adam and Chava had not engaged in marital relations. Therefore, they, they didn't know what it was about. Rashi clearly disagrees with that. If we go to Perak Dalit, we go ahead and uh, quite a number of Sukkim. And we go to Perik Dalit, Hosek Aleph, we will see that it says, that the man knew, he had uh, what they call in English uh, a carnal knowledge of Chava Ishto. He had relations with Chava, his wife, Vatahar, and she became pregnant, Vatavid as Kayan, and she gave birth to a child named Kayan, etc. Now, Rashi points out here, as the grammarians explain, well, let's first see Rashi. The Adam knew, the Adam had relations, says Rashi, this happened already before the whole Indian, the whole matter, the whole story above, meaning the whole story of the sin of Adam and Chab. But this narrative, which says that he had relations with his wife and she became pregnant, it happened before. 
Kodem Shechata, Veshenitrud Miganeden. All of this happened before he sinned and before he was driven out of Ganeden. Vechen Heheroyoin, Vehaleda. And similarly, the pregnancy and the birth of Kayan all happened before the story of the of the Chet. So, and Rashi says, Sheim Kosav, Vayeda Adam. If the Pasuk would have said, Vayeda Adam, which is the normal way that the Torah tells a story, the normal grammatical form of, of a Torah narrative. You have the verb, which is actually in a future tense. Yeda means he will know. But in, you put in front of it, the Torah puts in front of it a vav, which is called the vav hamahapech. It is the vav that turns over the tense and changes it from future to past. So vayeda means, and he did know. And then the noun, the, the subject, the person who did that verb, is stated second, Vayeda Adam. If we would be translating it word by word into English, it would be, and he had relations, the man. Of course, in English, we don't speak like that. It doesn't make any sense. But in Lashon HaKodesh, in the Torah language, Vayeda Adam means, and then the Adam had relations. So Nishma, Sha'acha Shenitra, If that, if it would have said, Vayeda Adam, so then it would have been heard from those words that after he was banished from the garden, he had these children and he, and he fathered these children. But since instead it says, rather it begins with a vav, just a regular vav, and ha-adam, and the subject of the sentence is placed first, ve-ha-adam, and then yoda is in a plain past tense, yoda. So this means this is what the grammarians call an over mukdam. It is what's called in English the pluperfect or the past perfect. It is referring to an, something that happened in the past, even before another act in the past. I can say, I had gone to the store where I met my friend Charlie. I, that means I went to the store first before I met the, my friend Charlie. Here it's the Adam Yoda Eschavo Ishto, means the, the man had had relations with his wife, even before the previous story. Without getting hung up on the grammar, but we see very clearly that Rashi is of the opinion that Adam and Chava had relations and produced the child even before this entire story of the eight, the pre-Eitz Adas. And therefore we see that Rashi clearly does not, uh, did not explain the Pesukim, the Pasuk here, the same way as the Radak. Rashi couldn't possibly say that the reason that Adam and Chava um, were loyous by Shashu, the reason they were not embarrassed uh, by, their, uh, by their reproductive organs is because they had never used them. That can't possibly be because according to Rashi, before this story, they had already engaged in conjugal relations and they had already produced a child. So Rashi is surely not saying like the Radak. Let's take a look at another comment from one of the great Mephorshim, Rabbi Ovadia Svorno. So here he says, They were not ashamed. At that time, before the, before the sin, all of their actions and all of their organs were They existed and they were used only to do the will of their creator. They used their bodies, all the parts, 
only exclusively, entirely, simply to serve their creator. Lo the hasig tanugais nipsodais klal. Not to, uh, to achieve, not to, uh, uh, to, not to uh, arrive at tanugais uh, nifsodais, not to, to accomplish uh, various pleasures that are nifsod, that simply uh, are momentary and pass away. The way we use our bodies very often. But often, in such a way that the act of, of sexual intercourse for them, Etzlam for them, kipulas achila vahashasia hamaspekes. For them, it was like eating and drinking, and eating and drinking hamaspekes, simply a sufficient amount of eating and drinking. It's not like uh, eating and eating ice cream sundaes. That's also uh, something a little to be ashamed of a little bit in a certain sense. But for them, eating a piece of bread and butter and engaging in conjugal relations, it was all the same. It was simply something they did as a necessary function of their, of their body and something that they did for the intent of serving their creator in one way or another. And therefore, the reproductive organs for them were it was like the mouth or the face or the hands for us. Just like we feel no shame, we feel no hesitation to use our mouth and our face and our hands um, in front of everyone. We, we, feel, we, we feel that we are 100% uh, legitimate and, and uh, we feel no shame about that. So in the same way, this was their feeling about the reproductive organs. Now, the Sforno, I believe also is not saying the same thing as Rashi. If we look at the Sforno, I think he is saying that their intent, their kavana in their use of their organs, including the reproductive organs, was only l'shem shemayim. He says it was l'asais ritzayim kainam bilvad. They used their organs, all their organs, only to do the will of their creator. In other words, we are talking here, and, and this is why they felt no shame in relationship to the reproductive organs. If we're talking about something voluntary, something emotional, psychological, something that at least theoretically might even be achieved by a person post Chet Odom I say theoretically, very difficult. But the way the Svarno is framing it, the, the, the reason why Adam and Chava felt no shame is because they were such tzaddikim, they were so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that everything they did, including uh, relations between man and woman, was entirely for the sake of God. Well, theoretically, even after Adam HaRishan and even after the Chet, at least theoretically, that might be possible. However, when you look at Rashi, Rashi does not talk about intent. And he doesn't talk about what they were aiming for when they engaged in, in marital relations. Rashi seems to talk about an intellectual lack on the part of Adamarisha. It's, as we'll soon see, it's a lack that it was really 
better to have this lack. Sometimes lack of knowledge can be a good thing. But what Rashi says is Lohoyu Yodin, Yodim, they did not know. And Lahavchin, they did not know how to distinguish. Those are intellectual terms. As the uh, not, not has nothing to do with, with what they were thinking as they engaged in relations. It has to do with what they were capable of thinking and feeling. They, they simply lacked a certain intellectual capacity to, to know this difference between Toid and Ra. The Mizrahi, the great super commentator on Rashi, says a few words here, which I think are worth taking a look at. He says, Good and evil are what is referred to, the words toiv and ra are referred to as that which is beautiful and that which is disgusting. The reason that they did not have this knowledge of is because they had not yet eaten from the Eitz Hadas, through which, because of that sin, then the Eitz Hara entered into them. Shavu, which is, meaning the presence of the Eitz Hara within a person's psyche, is Sibas Histabchus Now these words are hard to translate, I'll do my best. The Eitz Hara is the reason why the masses of people suffer a histabchus, they suffer a confusion, they can suffer, suffer an entangling, they get, they get mixed up and tangled up in all kinds of inappropriate behavior. And good behavior also, there's a whole, we, we know what it's like, we know that we are mixtures of good and bad. We sometimes do what's right, and we sometimes do what's not right, each, each one of us in, uh, in their own way. But it's this histabchus, it's this entanglement. Hanikroim toiv that's what's called toiv vara. Now, uvehedya omru sham, he says, uh, clearly our Chazal tell us in the Midrash, shalohoya yodim lahavchin mein toiv vara, that they did, were not able to distinguish between good and evil. Even though they could distinguish between truth and lie. Now, the, the Mizrahi's words here are very much under the influence, the good influence of the Meir Nebuchim, the same piece of Meir Nebuchim that I mentioned before. I, again, I, I admit that I don't fully understand the Meir Nebuchim, but what I think the Mizrahi is, is taking out from the Merinabuchim here can be summarized as follows or approximated as follows. And that is that originally Odom and Chava were granted by Akodesh Borahu with a knowledge of emis and sheker, of truth and falsehood, which is factual and objective and absolute. What they did not have is a certain subjective, fuzzier sort of appreciation of of what is beautiful and disgusting. 
I don't necessarily mean beautiful in the in the physical sense, but of what is desirable and undesirable. That that they didn't have. They knew emes sheker. The Gemara says that the word that 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 emes kushta koi that emes can stand. Emes is what lasts, and sheker is ainly raglayim. Sheker has no feet. Sheker falls down. They could understand that absolute objective knowledge. This is emes. This is what's supposed to be, and this is what's going to last. And this is sheker. This is something that's just very temporal, and it's going to fall away, and it's of no use. And it was an absolutely objective kind of knowledge. What happened when they ate from the eight sadas is that they lost that absolute knowledge of Emes and Sheker. And their knowledge was reduced to a knowledge of Toiv Vera. It becomes something more opinionated, more subjective. Now, if we go back to our first Rashi, armed with all of this information, I think we can understand what is going on in Rashi. Rashi begins by saying that lo by shosho means shalohoyo yodim derech snius lahavchen ben toiv They did not have the knowledge. This is an intellectual point. They did not have the knowledge of the ways of snius, of the ways of modesty, to distinguish intellectually between toiv and ra. This sort of subjective, semi-opinionated understanding of what is toiv and ra, as the Mizrahi discussed, that they did not have. Now, we're talking about something intellectual. We're talking about an intellectual capacity. So Rashi has a question, which the other Mephorshan that we looked at did not ask. Rashi has a question. What do you mean that there was something lacking in their intellect? But didn't Adam Harishan have the power? Didn't he have the intellectual capacity to accurately give a name to all of the animals? Now, Mefarshim explained that the naming of the animals was not merely a, a random choice. He didn't look at an elephant and say, well, I think I'll call it Peel in Hebrew. Why? I don't know why. I'll make up a name, Peel. No, somehow the word Peel, hey, Yud Lamed, somehow brings out the essence of what an elephant is. Personally, I don't know what exactly the connection is. And somehow the word chatul somehow brings out the essence and it defines exactly what a cat is. And the word dove somehow is is kolea elamatora, it, it, it's a bullseye, it, it captures exactly what a bear is. It has partly to do with gematria, perhaps the numerical values of the letters in the word. It has to do with certain secrets of the Aleph base that the letters of Lashen Kodesh have certain hidden meanings. And as they are combined, they create new combinations of meanings. But this was a very great wisdom that Adam Harishan was able to name all of the animals. He obviously had a tremendously developed intellect. So Rashi has a question on himself. His question is, I'm telling you, unlike the other commentators, but I am telling you that lo yis 
the fact that they were not ashamed of their nakedness is because there was something in their intellect which they did not have. So wait a minute, how could I say there's something missing in his intellect? But wasn't he the world's greatest intellectual? Wasn't he able to name the animals with a tremendous intellect, with tremendous insight? So Rashi is asking a question on himself. As I've said many times, although Rashi does not usually raise explicit questions on the Pusik itself, but on himself, when the question is about something that he said, and he's asking the question in order to defend and to strengthen his own position. So he, there, Rashi will ask the question on himself. And here, his question is on himself. If we'll think about it, according to the Radak, this question would not have been a question. What did the Radak say? The Radak says that the reason that they felt no shame in relation to their reproductive organs is because they had never used them. They had no experience of what they do, of, of what it feels like to use them. They, they, the whole thing was, was new territory for them. They had no idea what it's all about. Would you therefore ask Akasha, but Adamarisha knew how to name the animal? But he was a great, so what? He was a great intellect, but, but certain things you have to experience in order to know. So the Radak would not have asked this question. I don't think the Svarno would have asked this question. The Svarno says that the reason that Odom Harisha and Chava did not feel any, any shame, any busha regarding their reproductive capabilities and their reproductive organs is because they had such pure intent that they could use their reproductive organs the way we could use our, our elbows and our, and our toes because they had such high and holy intent. Okay, that's great. What's that got to do with the fact that Adam Arishain could had an intellect to name the animals? Again, it's apples and oranges, to pardon the use of fruit as a metaphor. There's nothing to do one with the other. But Rashi, who said that Lo Yisboshoshu points to a certain intellectual chisaroin, a certain intellectual lack on the part of other Marishan and Chava. So Rashi had to ask the question, but wait a minute, other Marishan was, was the world's greatest intellect. He was able to give a name in Lashon HaKadosh to all of the animals, which means he understood the essence of every animal and he understood all the secrets of the, of the Hebrew alphabet. Rashi had to ask that question. Now, Coming back to the very beginning, the question that was raised to the Rambam, we can understand, based on everything we've said here, that the sum total of what happened in this narrative was not good for Adam Harishan. It's not that he went from lacking a knowledge of Bain Toiv the Ra to gaining a knowledge of Toiv the Ra. That was the question that was posed to the Rambam. It looks like Adam and Chava were were rewarded. Based on everything we've said, we can now understand that is certainly not the case. They began, as the, the Mizrahi tells us, based on the Rambam, they began with an absolute objective knowledge of emes and sheker. They could look at everything in the world and say, emes, sheker. This is something that's going to last. This is something that's not going to last. This is absolutely 
desirable, appropriate. This is absolutely not desirable, inappropriate. No subjectivity, absolute knowledge. What they ended up with after they ate from the fruit is a much inferior sort of knowledge. We don't exactly know what's emes and what's exact, exactly sheker. Um, I've heard in the name of philosophers, although my own knowledge of philosophy is very limited, but philosophers say that absolute proof of anything is essentially impossible. We live in a, we, we, we have an intellect which can't exactly totally prove anything. We always, we are always limited to a certain subjectivity, a certain, a certain element of, of opinion, of, of being opinionated. And that's called Lavchin Ben Tzoyv Lara. That's a, that's a great Yerida. That's a great downfall that occurred because of this set. <clears throat>